From KUT News and the Texas Tribune, this is The Ticket. We demand our liberty. But this election is not just about what laws we're going to pass. Americans have come back from some pretty tough economic times. We need to stop limiting kids in poor neighborhoods. I declare to you today as a candidate for president of the United States. I'm Ben Philpott. And I'm Jay Root. On today's podcast, Republican presidential candidate Marco Rubio takes his turn on Stump Interrupted. And we'll talk with a former Rick Perry money man who's now jumped to the Rubio campaign. But first, Jay, we're on iTunes. I've never had anything like this happen to me. This is a big deal. (laughs) Uh, We finally have, you know, the first few episodes were kind of uh, posted up about three or four different places for people to look at. Uh, We finally now have been accepted by iTunes. If you go to iTunes, you can search The Ticket 2016, and that'll take you right to our spot, and you can subscribe right there. Uh, as all the podcast people say, please give us a review. Apparently that does push us up a little higher on, uh, Apple's search engine. Oh, cool. Yeah. So everybody, uh, who knows us and who likes us, please review us. If you don't like us, you don't have to review us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, beyond that, uh, the other news of the week, uh, Jay, is it possible we went through an entire week and no one announced that they were running for president? How could that happen? Are we on recess or something? Well, it, it was really interesting. I mean, we had four the week before, and I I really thought we were going to maybe get one or two. Well, O'Malley. Uh, yeah, Martin O'Malley's make the former Maryland governor is making a lot of noise about it. Um, Rick Perry has stepped up his schedule, and we're expecting him pretty soon. Uh, what are we thinking? Maybe around? He's I guess he said publicly around June first, right? Which also happens to be the end of the Texas legislative session. So there's gonna it's gonna be newsy around here. Have you bought your plane tickets yet? <laughs> Well, we're, we're, to go where? <laughs> That's right. To go to go as we're as we always go to go to uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, or maybe Texas this time. We'll see. It's time again for another presidential announcement breakdown on Stump Interrupted. Inspired by the promise of our future, I announce my candidacy for president of the United States. <laughs> Today, we'll dive into Florida Senator Marco Rubio's campaign kickoff. For those of you who are new to the podcast, uh, here's what we do. We're going to pull a few cuts from the speech and give the message behind what they're saying. Then we'll end with one quote uh, that we feel is an example of why Rubio will win the GOP nomination. And then, of course, a quote uh, that shows why we think he'll lose the nomination. So uh, first up, uh, Rubio announces for president and takes a little swipe at uh, who would be the Democratic challenger. Now, just yesterday, a leader from yesterday. Began a campaign for president by promising to take us back to yesterday. Yesterday is over. I like his delivery there. Yesterday is over. You know, I think he really plays to his strength on this, his youth and the fact that he's a fresh face at a time when the front runners are a Bush and a Clinton. Um, You know, he keeps going back to this over and over again, hitting on the idea that in America we're not about dynasties and that it's time to try something new. And as it turns out, he's something new. If we create a 21st century system of higher education that provides working Americans the chance to acquire the skills they need, that no longer graduates students with mountains of debt and degrees that do not lead to jobs, and that graduates more students from high school ready to work, 
then our people will be prepared to seize their opportunities in this new economy. Now, I think this cut's interesting because it's calling uh, on some kind of federal intervention to make the country's education system better, both at the college and the high school level. Uh, First of all, I don't know what the federal government can do really to lower tuitions. Uh, State school tuition has gone up around the country because state governments have lowered the subsidies that they're putting into these state universities. Uh, You can find a couple of Rubio's stances on the issue online. He, He talks about making students uh, better informed on what taking what it's going to mean to take out this college loan. Uh, I don't know that, you know, them knowing ahead of time they're going to end up with $100,000 in debt will make much of a difference. But he also then talks a little bit about the idea of online courses, things that uh, states are trying with their state universities to, to lower that tuition cost. So there's that. But then when you look at high schools, again, talking about federal intervention at the high school level, We've got candidates in the Republican Party who are campaigning against just that, you know, right now with uh, Ted Cruz and Common Core. You know, higher education and the cost of higher education is a huge issue that motivates a lot of middle class voters. But as you pointed out, we looked on his website and basically the solution, as as we read it, was more fine print on the loan documents. I'm not sure that that's a, a compelling campaign platform. The Democrats are pretty much proposing direct financial aid. So we'll see how that plays out. I've heard, I've heard some suggest that I should step aside and, and wait my turn. But I cannot, because I believe our very identity as an exceptional nation is at stake, and I can make a difference as president. So this is sort of a stab at inoculating himself against the idea. And I think it's there's a real sentiment out there that he's very young and talented and also has an exceptionally bright future in the Republican Party. But maybe he's a little too young and a little too inexperienced to get the keys to the White House and the codes to our nuclear arsenal. This is one of those examples where I think your perceived weakness can also be a strength. Well, I think we saw a little bit of that with uh Barack Obama, when he was running the first time around, you know, not as young, but a a new person, a less experienced person on the uh, on the playing field. Uh, but obviously, it turned out well for him. Uh, now, uh, in fact, speaking of how it might turn out well for Mr. Rubio, we're going to play a clip for why he uh, why we think you know this is an example of how he can win the race. After all, in, in m- many countries, the highest office in the land is reserved, is reserved for the rich and the powerful. But I live in an exceptional country. I live in an exceptional country where even the son of a bartender and a maid can have the same dreams. I live in an exceptional country where the son of a bartender and a maid can have the same dreams and the same future as those who come from power and privilege. So again, you can see where he's also sort of going after Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton in this, that they come from these elite backgrounds and he does not. Look, he has one of the most compelling biographies of all the GOP candidates. He's young. He's got that thousand watt smile. He's got a good looking family. He's charismatic. He speaks beautiful Spanish, by the way. Um, Basically, a young first term center who is an ethnic minority with a funny sounding name. How did that work out last time? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, it doesn't. It's not always uh, sunshine and roses, though. On these stump speeches, uh, here's uh, an example of why we think, you know, he he's not going to be able to win the uh, the nomination. The workers in our hotel kitchens, the landscaping crews in our neighborhoods, 
the late night janitorial staff that clean our offices, and even the bartenders who tonight are standing in the back of a room somewhere in America, if they succeed, this 21st century will also be an American century. Now, granted, he didn't specifically mention immigration in this particular bite, let alone uh, say anything about his controversial support for comprehensive immigration reform, which some conservatives have really never forgiven him for. But he's going to take some heat for this in the 2016 race. Um, He favors an eventual pathway to citizenship, and that's going to put a big target on his back. No, No question about it. You actually heard Hillary Clinton come out this week saying, uh, hey, look, I'm the only candidate. None of the Republicans are are looking at a pathway to citizenship. Well, I think especially once we hit the debates, you're going to see plenty of Republicans on that you know, gigantic stage of 30 <laughs> different candidates uh, pointing a finger at, at Marco Rubio and saying, no, there's one right there who thinks we should have amnesty. Well, and Jeb Bush has, you know, again, they, they, they've... They've talked a lot about this. There's a lot of nuances in what they've said, but but both Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio are, are more moderate on immigration than most of the other contenders. Speaking of being moderate on immigration, next week, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders takes his turn on Stump Interrupted. You're listening to The Ticket from KUT News and the Texas Tribune. I'm Ben Philpot. And I'm Jay Root. When he's not busy running the Dallas-based investment management firm Annandale Capital, George C. likes to dabble in politics. He was the Texas finance chairman for Rick Perry's run in the 2012 primary, but now he's helping out another campaign, even though we expect Perry to announce a second run around June 1st. Mr. C., thanks for joining us. Uh, Let's go ahead and start with that new candidate. U.S. News & World Report had a great headline about your new affiliation. It said... How Marco Rubio Snagged Rick Perry's Money Man. So uh, how did Rubio snag Rick Perry's Money Man? Well, uh, I've, I've known Governor Perry since 1996, and in the 2012 election cycle, I got approached early and often by his, his top people to be his finance chairman for Texas. Um, I, it, I was at a very uh, swamp uh, time of my life, to be honest. I, I had a lot going on, and I, I really wasn't sure I should be doing it, but I felt like I had a duty to Texas because my governor was running for president, and um, I thought it's obviously very beneficial to our state if our president is from from Texas. So I agreed to do it, and uh, un- unfortunately, that campaign did not work out, and I met Marco Rubio about the same time and got to be very close friends with him and get to know him well and admire and respect him on numerous fronts. He's a, he's a very humble guy, but he's an incredibly talented fella, uh, very decisive, knows policy m- multiple layers. He really understands not just national security policy or health care policy or tax and fiscal policy. He, he's, got the, he's got the whole thing going on. He can peel the onion several, several layers deep in each subject matter, so to speak. And he came to Texas and gave two just brilliant speeches on Hispanic outreach and how the Hispanic community belongs with the Republican Party at my request. And then he came down and gave a national security address at the Clement Center for National Security Policy at the University of Texas, right where you guys are. And uh, I told him about two years ago because we'd gotten to be really good friends and, and I just really enjoyed his company and thought he was a very compelling leader and 
was next uh, a next generational leader, and I thought that the country really needed that. I told him two years ago, irrespective of whoever else ran, that I would support him if he ran for president next time around. And so it, it, it's not any kind of uh, statement against anyone else. I've got about three or four friends in the race that I've met and known for a long time that are running for president, and they're spectacular people. So it's not against anyone. It's for Marco Rubio. I am emphatically for Senator Rubio running for president. Is Texas a lost cause if it, it for Marco Rubio if uh, Rick Perry and Ted Cruz are still competitive when that rolls around, or do you think you can really you, you, you can make something happen here in Texas for Marco Rubio? Well, that's really interesting, and, and frankly, I've been enjoying that because obviously, if you're supporting one of the presidential candidates who's not from Texas, you're an underdog down here. But I, I think that Americans, uh, whether you're from Texas or someplace else, want to elect a president who is best of class and is going to run the country um, better than than anyone else. And and that's why I'm for Senator Rubio. I think he'd be the next really, really outstanding president for the country, and I think he will draw plenty of support in Texas, irrespective of the fact he, he clearly is is one of the few in the field that's not from here. You mentioned uh, the fact, the idea of uh, when the governor called last time around, you felt like it was very important to do it. It was the governor of the state running for president. You know, this time around, we don't have that. Um, we have, and no offense to the Perry campaign, but, you know, a second timer running through. And then you have a U.S. senator who, while he is a sitting senator within the state, definitely has kind of, I, I, well, he's divided parts of the Republican Party against him with him. Uh, so maybe not that single unifying Texas candidate. Where do you feel like the other candidates, including uh, Senator Rubio, are kind of, are they finding space in Texas because of that? I think Texas is a very big place. We've got 27 million people. Um, it clearly tilts to the right, so there's going to be a lot of people in the state who are interested in the Republican presidential field. And I think there's a, one thing I've always loved about Texans and Texas, and I'm a seventh-generation Texan, is we're a very independent, uh, free-thinking bunch. We, we don't fall in line readily. We want to make our own opinions about things and come – come to grips with what we think is best. And, and I'll go back to, again, that picking the next president of the United States is very, very serious business, and you need to pick the best person for that job. We really have a strong field this time around. I, I think you could make an argument the last several cycles we've got had an okay field, but not a strong, deep, broad, wide field. And th- this time around, I think you can make an argument that there are multiple people who would serve the country well as president. George, you've spent a lot of time sort of worrying about the Republican Party of Texas, and I, I, I would assume the nation, that it's not diverse enough or that it's not doing enough to reach out to a diverse audience. You know, one of the things that people are talking about a lot in that vein is, is the issue of gay marriage. Obviously, Marco Rubio has come out really strong, uh, you know, in favor of traditional marriage. Is that something that's going to cost him in that effort to get new young people, for example, uh, to support him? Well, it certainly won't cost him in Texas, right? I mean, Texas is a very, very conservative state. But as you indicate, millennials uh, tend to trend very progressive on the issue of marriage and, and what it should be defined as. I, th- I think Senator Rubio took a, a real nice step out in in terms of what a Christian should look at on these kind of issues. Uh, people forget they get they get overly moralistic, they get overly dogmatic, and they forget that that uh, the Bible is full of commands to love people and to be at peace with all and to to try to 
reach out to others no matter what the views are. It's it's not like we're supposed to be wagging fingers at everyone and, and stern and angry. And Rubio said that if he was asked by a dear friend to attend a, a non-traditional wedding uh, and it was a close friend or family member, he would definitely attend and support whoever that person was. And I, th- I think that's a Christian viewpoint on it, to, to support and and love people uh, that, you, that you're close to. But at the same time, if you have a politely divergent view on a subject um you make that clear but you support you support your close friend or relative i thought he he walked the the tightrope on a very difficult issue well so let's kind of jump to another difficult issue maybe uh as someone who worked with the perry campaign you're well aware that the governor did uh former governor did a handful of things to kind of sink the 2012 presidential uh, uh his presidential aspirations you know but way before oops uh, he was attacked in a debate for being soft on immigration, and that's really kind of when his poll numbers began to decline. How is Senator Rubio going to defend trying to pass immigration reform? Kyle, that's a great question, and I'm so glad you asked it because I think that this subject is is an area where Senator Rubio, again, stands out as a really first-class, above-the-field leader. He He tried as a patriot and with courage and conviction – to solve a really intractable, intractable problem our country faces that is it's absolutely critical to solve well for our future. You talked about the future and millennials and young people, and we can't continue to turn a blind eye to the fact we have at least 12 million undocumented illegal residents here in our country, and they have to be dealt with. And he tried to solve the problem, and the, the left, the Democrats in the Senate on the left, mangled the bill he was working on beyond recognition and he said i can no longer support this and we've got to go back to the drawing board now at the same time he's now saying you have got to secure the border better first before you consider anything else whatsoever and only then can you turn to some kind of comprehensive solution that addresses the the people that are already here and he also said he doesn't think one omnibus bill on the subject will be workable that you have to do this one step at a time one piece at a time and i think that's a very rational way to to uh, to view the issue there's two extremes on the issue there's the extreme on on the left where they say just immediately give citizenship to everybody here which is complete amnesty which is the left knows that's completely unworkable and is bad for the country as well and then and then on the far right you've got this whole um secure the border, and when you find illegals, just ship them back to their country of origin immediately. And the cost to do that is is unimaginable. It's in the tens of billions of dollars to do that for 12 million or more people. So that they're both silly positions, and there has to be something in the middle where people pay a fine and a price for breaking our laws, but where we have some kind of process by which we handle all the people that are here that that has to be done at some point and and again leaders stand up and take courageous positions even if they have criticism from the extremes on either end and something's got to be done and senator rubio is trying to get something done but at the same time he's not violating his core principles that you've got to uphold the rule of law and you've got to punish people who violate our laws and you got to secure the border first you know, and I guess just one quick follow-up on that. You know, you talked about putting forth a rational plan to help the country. Um, I feel like Governor Perry and his supporters would have said that his stance on uh, in-state tuition for uh, some students who had come here uh, illegally, uh, who had been in Texas high schools, uh, was a rational, you know, he calls it the Texas solution. Uh, is there is there a problem that 
in the Republican primary where even rational ideas, especially on something like immigration, are just hard to push or hard to pass off? Well, that's that's a fair and, and good question, and I, I think we'll probably find out this election year. Um, I think that, that that's where statesmen arise, is people rising up from either political party. Uh, if they're a Republican in this day and age, obviously more conservative than liberal, and on the Democratic side, uh, clearly more liberal than conservative. And you, you've got to rise above partisan politics and find solutions that are in the best interest of the country. And that's where it, that's where it's tough. And I think we'll find out in the coming months whether the country is ready for solutions to very, very serious problems or whether we're going to kick the can down the road re- repetitively. And uh, again, that's why I'm supporting Senator Rubio. I think he is a, a man committed to tackling the hardest problems we've got as a country head on. So Senator Rubio in the most recent poll that I was seeing today is still, you know, kind of up there with the top four, four candidates in double digits and the others a few more percentage points behind. Uh, as we're getting closer to uh, first debates and, and other things along this uh, road in 2016, is there something that uh, y'all are looking for that will start to separate him, stand him apart from those other three at the top? You know, I'm not a, a, a professional politician or political operative. I, I just help with these kind of things because I love my country and I want to I be involved and make an impact. I'm a businessman. I've got a, a business to run and employees to, to pay salaries to and, and make data decisions on that. So I couldn't offer you a coherent comment on that. What I could say is every time I see Marco Rubio speak or in a crowd of people, he sticks out immediately. He's, he's got just really, really strong talent. And he's a humble guy. He's not full of himself. He's very self-deprecating. He's got a very uh, savvy wit. Um, and he knows policy cold. So I, I think that w- the more people get exposed to him, the more people are going to come over to his his side of the equation. And I think that's reflected in the polls. He's, he's consistently got the highest percentage of American voters who say they would consider him no matter what whether he's their first choice or second choice or third choice, but that they would be willing to vote for him for president. And I think that he's going to continue to grow in uh, support and strength as we go through this cycle. George C. is chairman of Annandale Capital and is helping out on the Rubio campaign. Uh, George, thanks for taking some time to talk with us today. Glad to do so. Thanks for having me. Here's the straight ticket. You may have gathered I'm from Texas, born and raised in fact. I grew up in a little town called Liberty. That's right, Liberty, Texas. Has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? And since Liberty is all the rage in the Republican presidential race right now, this is a moment I don't want to pass up. Hopefully this year for once, I won't have to. Because really, why should Iowa and New Hampshire have all the fun? Actually make that Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. As the primary calendar stands right now, those are the four states that will hold contests in the first three weeks or so of February 2016. Then on Tuesday, March 1st, 11 states with more than 600 delegates will hold contests. Texas is one of them, and the Lone Star State is offering up over 150 delegates, about a quarter of all the delegates up for grabs in those states. There could be a runaway favorite by March 1, of course. We've all seen that movie before. In fact, Texas is usually flyover country, or at best, the place where White House hopes come to die, as it was for Mike Huckabee's longshot bid in 2008 and for George H.W. Bush in 1980 when the Texas transplant lost to Ronald Reagan. The gold standard is 1976. 
the first GOP primary of its kind in Texas, when Reagan pulled off a stunning upset against President Gerald Ford. Ford's campaign went downhill pretty fast after he tried to eat the inedible corn husk wrapper on a Mexican tamale right in front of the national media. With all the qualified candidates we have running this year, and so many of them with Texas ties, I don't expect another great tamale incident. But we could use a little competition, or a major upset, or maybe some nutty Texas twist. Just don't ignore us, guys, because 40 years is too darn long for this Texas boy. Like what we've been doing here on The Ticket, or have suggestions or questions about the race so far? Remember, we love getting voicemails, so give us a call at 512-943-2016 and leave your questions or suggestions, and maybe we'll pick it for use in a future podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at TheTicket2016, and remember, we're finally on iTunes. You can just search us at TheTicket2016. Or you can find a link to the iTunes account on our Twitter bio. Uh, Also, please, 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 please give us a review. That will help other people find the ticket. The Ticket is a production of KUT News and the Texas Tribune. The show was mixed by me and edited by Matt Largy. Our theme music is by Ben Root. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.